Hi there and welcome to the Colton Boutique Show. Um, today we're very pleased to have with us Director of the esteemed Chateau Obaye, Veronique Sanders. Um, I first met Ver Veronique back in 2015 at the Saatchi Gallery at Robert Parker's Matter of Taste, where she showed off some beautiful vintages of Chateau Obaye, um, which we're fortunate enough to taste and they've just continued to become even better since. So thank you for joining us today. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. No, thank you for joining us as well. And um, let's, let's get to it. Really, 2020 has been an interesting year to say the least. For us, one of the highlights was the 2019 Premier campaign. Um, and it was one of the most well received in recent years. How was it for you guys? The, the Primeur campaign or the 2020 vintage? Oh, sorry, the 2019 Primeur campaign. 19 Primeur campaign. Uh, it was actually an incredible campaign because as you know, the whole world has changed. Everything kind of collapsed with the lockdowns everywhere. Yes. And we we really didn't know in, in March, April, if we would do a Prima campaign or not. And uh, we, were, we were in touch with lots of clients around the world who basically told us we need a Prima campaign, we need Bordeaux, we need things to move on, and we, we also need not to, to talk just about uh, coronavirus. Yes. Uh, so uh, we tried to reinvent ourselves. We tried to put everything in order to make it happen despite the conditions which were crazy. No one could come to Bordeaux to taste the wines. Uh, and what uh, people needed is to have a few experts uh, giving their advice and their opinion on the quality of the vintage overall and specific, specifically Chateau by Chateau. So we, logistically speaking, we reinvent the world. And it was great, actually, and mm. it worked. And thanks to that, thanks to the fact that the experts played their role, that the clients also were able to taste and talk to their own customers, uh, we started a premier campaign, which was for me kind of miraculous. And, uh, and it was successful because we also listened to the needs of, our, uh, of the clients yes. who said we needed to be well priced. So all of us made an effort to price this vintage, uh, which is a great vintage at a terrific price. Definitely. And I think if you were a wine lover, you had no choice than to buy uh, 2019 of, of your favorite chateau. Personally, we also bought a lot of 19 because we know that it's, it's something which should not be missed. No, it, sh it shouldn't. There was a lot of comparisons um, to the likes of the 2009 and 2015 uh, vintages as well. And you're right, um, a lot of the Bordeaux Chateau had to improvise, didn't they, with their, with their um, samples, which they needed to send. Because a lot of samples, as an example, um, I follow a number of wine critics uh, via social media and the likes of Neil Martin or Jeb Dunnock or uh, Jane Anson were speaking about how they're having their samples shipped over to them. Was that something you found easy to do? Was it a tough decision to make? Because there was a lot of, um, there were some other critics who were saying, well, that's not a really fair way to sample the wines. You should be able to go to the Chateau to sample the wines. They shouldn't be sent to you. They're not going to taste the same. Do you think that makes much of... Yeah, it was a big risk because since many, many, many years and decades, uh, everybody comes to Bordeaux to taste the wines because they are fragile 
at this mm. stage. You know, <clears throat> it's babies. They are six months old or seven months old. Uh, they are not bottled. It's barrel samples. So we were very worried about the fact that uh, how is it going to travel? Will it be stuck somewhere? And I was very impressed by the, the, the speed of the, of the shipments. Uh, for example, to send the sample to, to, to Hong Kong, I, I did it on the Wednesday morning. It arrived on the Thursday evening and you could track it. You could wow. know where it was. And, and, you know, within a few hours, all the main critics were able to have your wine. Uh, fortunately, we didn't have any problem. It was not stocked anywhere. And the, the wines traveled well. It was not too cold. It was not too warm. It was mm -hmm. just fine. Mm -hmm. And all the critics played a fantastic role, tasting it immediately uh, and letting you know uh, if there would be a problem. Uh, for, fortunately for Bay, there was no problem and the wine showed beautifully everywhere from from london to los angeles and yes. including in, in in japan or, or in hong kong so yes. but it was a big risk and uh, and i'm not sure we can do it all the time you know we were just lucky with all the conditions which were well aligned but um, in a normal world would it work i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but and it's certainly a risk that paid off as well it was like we said, it was a very good vintage. Well, it is a very good vintage year, without question. So to talking about the 2020 harvest, obviously it's been an early harvest. How is 2020 looking overall for, for Obae? 2020 is also an incredible story because uh, it was, uh, as you said, an early vintage. And France uh, went into lockdown mid-March and and the vegetation you know was booming so imagine that in april we had to hire 50 people to work in the fields where when wow. everybody was supposed to stay at home so also it was another fight that we had to 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 have to to maintain uh, the line for for good vintage for the birth of a good vintage and Every day we had to adapt ourselves to, to the new health situation, condition, what was allowed, what was not allowed, and, and to keep working in the field. And actually it was a saving grace to be out in nature because it was very quiet, not mm. a single noise, not a plane, not a car, nothing. So wow. it, it was a very, uh, I will remember that, that year all my life because yes. The nature looked more intense, you know. But then we had a very wet spring. May was terribly humid and another very strong mildew pressure. We also had in March, April, a bit of frost pressure in April. And, and then what happened is 50 days of drought in July. Not yeah. a single drop of rain during 50 days. Um, and an incredible summer. And an incredible uh, harvest condition, uh, weather condition during the harvest. So we were lucky to harvest peacefully, quietly, in extremely good condition. Um, what is what what is a beautiful crop actually uh, it's not a huge volume we don't have the same quantity as we had in 2019 it's much smaller okay. uh, so most of the chateau produce probably between 30 and 35 hectoliters by hectare wow. uh, but uh, the, the, it's very intense it's very uh, concentrated yes. uh, 
it's it's probably a vintage which will be closer in terms of analysis to the 2009 um, uh, or 10 vintage. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And would you say with that drought, was that drought similar or is this an unfair comparison to obviously that uh, massive heat wave uh, that happened back in 2003? No, it was not like that. It was very different. Uh, 2003 was was very special. We had also in 2020 a few days which were extremely hot. So yes, we had that, but uh, it was not like 2003. Very different. Okay, good, 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 good. And you, you've mentioned before that your grandfather inspired you to continue working alongside the uh, the Wilmer family, uh, and the feeling of family is very evident within Chateau Aubaye. How how much of that is down to lessons passed on from uh, previous generations? Well, um, I am at Aubaye by passion, by love, by uh, all the what my grandfather transmitted to me when I was a child. I was always with him, always working with him. And uh, it, it's really um, a choice, a heart choice if I'm here. Uh, so yes. um, when my family sold Obaye in 1998 to Bob Wilmers, it was of course a, a shock for, for all of us, uh, but it was very positive for Obaye because Bob Wilmers was an amazing man. And I was so lucky as a woman and as a relatively young woman at that time, to to be able to 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 start running this estate because you had no young people at at this stage in Bordeaux, and you had very very few women, so it was a privilege. Um, I kept uh, learning with my grandfather during two years, and. Um, and then we try to adapt to everything which was already changing very fast at that time yes. in terms of production, in terms of commercial, commercialization, communication. Uh, in, it was just the beginning of internet. It was, uh, so uh, it the was world changed yeah. incredibly uh, <laughs> a lot in the last 20 years. So it was a fascinating 20 years and I was extremely privileged to have uh, be able to, to run this estate for Bob mm, Very good. Very. And you, you mentioned obviously about the late great Robert Wilmer. Um, and I remember reading in the Cancer magazine, the obituary um, or, you know, the dedication, remembering some of the highlights of Robert Wilmer. And there was a particular quote in there by Warren Buffett who said, um, and I quote, when he learned of the unfortunate passing of Robert Wilmer, that he was a remarkable banker an even more remarkable citizen and wonderful friend. Now, I'm sure there is a lot. However, what are the main lessons that you carry with you through Robert Wilmer's mentorship to this day? Um, Robert Wilmer's has his son, Chrissy, who is now the chairman of our board, um, says had a superpower. His superpower was to ask questions. He could ask questions to everyone but he was very carefully listening to the answers and he was then analyzing everything and he was then able to 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 make decision make the right decision sometimes he would take time because he would ask lots of questions to lots of people but <laughs> um he was somebody who was um incredibly concerned by um by by people by human yes and it, it, it was a 
absolutely fantastic to be able to work with him or for him because I learned a lot from him. He, had, he was the kind of person who had the global picture, but who would go also very much into detail. So, you know, it's, yes. I, I think it's, it's a way to move to, to perfection because you, you should never uh, forget uh, where you're going. You should Absolutely. never forget the big lines. Absolutely. But you should be concerned in or at all level by every single detail. Yes. Uh, and at Obey, we are known to work with lots of precision. And uh, I think it's very important. And he was somebody who, would, who was interested by everything. So the way the way you could have a conversation with him was always something very special. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that with us as well. Um, so so moving, moving on, as we've mentioned before, Chateau Bailly, it's ingrained within the local community. Um, obviously, you know, how great the wines are. Again, that, fa- that family approach. Um, how important is it to you that people could do more than just taste your wines, but also visit and enjoy the whole experience because there's a few um, a few events that can take place at uh, Obaye, isn't there? Like conference rooms, uh, different levels of tastings, even even uh, some chocolates as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, we are we love we love wine, so we love food. You know. Yes. <laughs> and uh, many years ago, actually, like I think almost twelve years ago, we we hired our first. Uh, um, chef, uh, private chef, mm-hmm. and we launch what we call the, a, a private table. So we are not a restaurant, but people from all over the world who want to have a special experience with the French art de vivre, a very nice uh, table dressed, uh, perfect food uh, uh, from the market. Uh, if the chef goes to the market every yeah. morning adapt itself to the himself to the different seasons and to the different wines we're going to serve um, people can enjoy that at obey and we also opened in 2015 uh, some beautiful rooms at chateau le pape which is a neighbor estate that we bought in 2012 we did three years of renovation and we actually won a golden award for the best place to stay in bordeaux uh, it's only uh, four bedrooms and a suite of two, and uh, it's in the heart of the vineyard. It's at 15 minutes, 15 minutes from the city center of Bordeaux, oh, wow. and it's a very special experience, and people just love it, you know. So you can you can just enjoy life in the middle of a beautiful vineyard, have some good food at Obey, have some great nights and enjoy uh, enjoy wines. the swimming pool at Chateau Le Pape. Oh, wow. But uh, wow. yeah, we, we, we try to welcome uh, uh, guests uh, with passion. We, we try to share our experience with them. We try to show them the specificities of our vineyards. And we have uh, four hectares of very, very old vines and people enjoy looking at the different grape varieties, which are all mixed in it. So there's a lot to do. <laughs> Great, great. And um, how has that been throughout throughout this year? Has it been off and on or have you completely closed the doors from that side of things for this year and you're planning on reopening next year? We actually uh, had uh, uh, a very nice summer season 
but we, we, we closed everything in March, April and May. We are closed again, of course, in a few weeks. But yes. uh, in July and August, uh, we had lots of people from around France, some English people, uh, and we, we had a very nice summer season. And we look forward to reopening as soon as the world is back to normal. Well, th yeah, fing fingers crossed for that, most definitely. And you, you at, um, at Chateau Bay, you had planned for new cellars and a revamp of some existing structures. Um, this was announced prior to 2019, and um, I believe you was looking at aiming to have that all completed by 2021. Have those projects been able to go ahead with all of this year's events? Yes, it was, of course, slowed down, but we are about to reveal the new cellar. So early oh. 2021, you will hear much more about it. Brilliant. It's an incredible project. It's a, it's a project where architecture meets environment and, and it's completely integrated in the landscape. So from outside, you will see just a garden which is flying up. Uh, flying up. Uh, it, it, it's... Um, extremely discreet and elegant from outside. But from inside, we have a space we never had before. Uh, and there is a few architectural, technical, environmental prowess, uh, which will make it in, a place to visit, definitely. Yes. Um, it, it's really, we wanted to build the Obey of tomorrow. So we try to think of everything that we could use in order to respect as much as we can the, the tradition of our terroir because the fundamentals are outside in the vineyards and Obey is known to be extremely traditional and respectful of, of, of this incredible terroir. But we, we have to work with the tools of today if you want to, if you, if you want to keep at the, at the level of... Uh, of what we'd love to do you know yes yeah exactly exactly no and we look forward to, to coming to visit it hopefully next year then fingers crossed yeah. fingers crossed yeah. all right and mo moving on um to to another subject here um We've seen a real positive change in recent years or in more recent years uh, with more women holding powerful positions within the industry. There are the likes of yourself, the late great Baroness Philippine de Rothschild, Stephanie Dubois de Vangelou, now Justine Tesseron of Ponte Cane, for example. Do you feel we are getting closer to a level playing field within the industry in general? Uh, you mean if we will have more and more women? Yes, or more. Yes, what? definitely, definitely well, more. Yeah, more yeah. women. Like I said, in, in your position, because you've been there, as I said, for a very long time now. You know, you've been one of the mm -hmm. pioneers in that respect. Yeah, I, I, when I started, you had very, very few women, and I always thought it was an advantage to be a woman. Uh, at the beginning, of course, I was not uh, recognized, uh, so I was listening a lot. And when you're listening, you're learning. Yeah. So it was it was great, <laughs> and and I'm very happy with my first years where I was silent and trying to understand everything I could. Um, today, you have more and more women, and that's brilliant. And you know, I'm I'm not uh, very uh, fanatic of. Uh, quotas and, um, and parities. Yes. But I have to say that at Obey, by, by 
coincidence, we have 50% of men and 50% of women in every field, in the vineyard, in the cellar, in the office. So it's, it's a very interesting uh, mix of uh, men and women. And my belief is actually that uh, the complementarity is something which is fantastic. And when we have to make decisions in any kind of matters, I always talk with the, man, the, the, the men, and actually the men also talk with me, <laughs> because our vision are different, but they are complementary. Okay. And if you want to make a good decision, it's very important to have both visions to match with each other. And as long as we don't agree, we actually don't make decisions. So it's sometimes a long process, but it's a very constructive process. And I'm very happy to see uh, women everywhere. Uh, it, it, it doesn't mean at all that men are less qualified. No, no, On no, the no. opposite, no. We, we need men Absolutely. <laughs> dramatically. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, but, but uh, it, it's a good move. Excellent, excellent. And you've mentioned in the past that Robert Parker Jr. played an important role in Bordeaux Chateau becoming the benchmark of wine across the world. Um, with a 2009 vintage, he awarded, awarded, should I say, sorry, the Obaye 2009, a perfect 100 point score after realizing he had made a mistake by giving it a lesser score. Um, paying great compliments to yourself and uh, Robert Wilmers uh, in his tasting notes. Um, obviously you mentioned um, off camera, you've had a couple more 100 points since then. So you're up to three. I'm sure that's not the last. Um, and this helped raise the reputation even more so of Obaye. What legacy do you feel that Robert Parker has left behind now he's retired? And how important do you see the role of fine wine critique today? And when you also got that news about the 100 point, I'm sure it must have felt great, much like when a restaurant gets a Mich uh, Michelin star. Uh, every good news like that is something very special because you know we we work uh, a whole year to 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 give birth to something quite special so it's a lot of energy a lot of efforts you put in so when you see your efforts uh, um, how do you say that uh, having success yes it, it, it's it's a great feeling for the whole team uh, and a great recognition actually. So uh, Robert Parker definitely um, did uh, a lot for Bordeaux uh, in the sense that he, he made wine becoming popular. I think for before he arrived, uh, people knew about wine, but uh, he made it more simple to understand for certain uh, countries who could uh, maybe ha who maybe had less time to read about you know comments wines etc etc uh, but they, they they would feel uh, reassured by the fact that they would buy a 95 point and uh, you know yes. they, so it's a kind of popular popularized how do you yes. say that wine yeah yep. so I think our industry in general should be very thankful to him for having been such a, an ambassador, an advocate for the wines and, and, and making lots of new countries enjoying wine. Uh, so that's, uh, that's something very important. Uh, the, at this time, he was the only one. Today, I think there is a, a multiplicity of critics, which is excellent also, Definitely. because you know, um, 
we are all surrounded by much too many information. But information tomorrow will be key. And you need the good data, you need to have the, the right um, elements to make decisions. And I think you probably have around the world 20 or to 30 uh, imported critics mm -hmm. who have the expertise, who know their terroir, who know the different vintage you've been producing in the last uh, few decades, who are competent to write about wine and deliver to the customers what they should know. What is this wine about? What is the taste? Uh, describing with uh, lots of words what will match your own taste. Because actually what is important uh, when you're drinking and enjoying wine is that it's matching your taste. And there are so many different tastes around the world. We, I'm sure we don't taste exactly the same way. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and some people might prefer blockbusted wine. Some people might prefer elegant, delicate wine. And it's extremely important that those wines can be described in the right way, with the right words, uh, by experts. Definitely, definitely. And obviously, with that in mind, I'm going to ask you some now as part of what we call the fun quick fire questions. Okay, so you mentioned, of, of course, at uh, Obai, um, you employed a, a private chef and there you can get some great food and some great wine. But what happens if, um, you know, friends of yours, they, they were to come to stay with yourself, Veronique, what, what can they expect that you personally would like? What would be your go-to dish or dishes that you would prepare and what wines would you then pair with those dishes uh, depends <laughs> if we are in <laughs> I love to cook <laughs> I love to cook so uh, but the, it depends if we are in the winter if we are in the summer uh, let's say we are in the winter I would love to cook some some lamb, for example, yeah. uh, you know, an agneau de setter, you cook it very slowly during seven hours. So it's very tender, very wow. gentle. And then you open a, a great vintage of a great Bordeaux, more mature, because uh, I think in the winter time, you prefer more mature vintages. Absolutely. In the summertime, I tend to drink younger wines. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Very good, very good. And um, for yourself, of course, you know, r running, running a chateau is, is not easy work. Many, many people see the end product, they see the bottles and they taste the wines and they think, oh, it's, it's all, it's, it's a luxury lifestyle for people like yourself. But there's a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication and um, many hours in the day which are dedicated to making sure of the end product. How, how do you unwind? Do you, do you have a, a favorite uh, book you like to read, which gives you an escapism? Do you have certain music that you like to just listen to and have a moment to yourself? What's, what's the way in which you like to unwind? Oh, I, I have lots of passion. For the, the first one is probably to be able to share some time with my family. And I have a, a son who just turned 12 years old and it, it's always uh, great, especially when you used to travel a lot mm. uh, to enjoy special moments with the family. Uh, I tend also to do lots of sports, so swimming, running, walking, um, walking in the mountains, yes. so that's things I love. And uh, I read a lot. I love to read. So it's uh, one of my first passions. <laughs> wow. Uh, who, who are some of your favorite authors? 
Oh, I'm, I'm very keen on all the, the French authors from the 18th, 19th century, you know, wow. Stendhal, Flaubert, Balzac, but I'm very open to all kinds of literature. And I, I, I use these last months to, to read the more books from lots of different countries. <laughs> Lovely, lovely. And obviously now now they've announced here, I'm not too sure if they've announced it in France, but um, I was hearing yesterday um, on the news that a lot of people now who are going to be coming into England um, for business purposes will no longer have to self-quarantine so they can um, just carry on about their day as per usual. Um, obviously with the laws looking to be become a lot more relaxed um we, we all deserve a holiday after you know how tough this year has been generally speaking is there anywhere that you plan on um or that you would like to go um on holiday maybe like switzerland or america or um anywhere like that well uh the world is big and we were lucky in the previous life to travel a lot and see lots of places so there's there are lots of places where I would love to go back, like, for example, South Africa mm. or um, Asia, of course. Uh, I would love to see our friends in Napa to see how they are yes. after all these fires. Um, I used to go to England every other week. So wow. <laughs> as soon as we can come back, I'd be happy. But Excellent. I have to say France is so beautiful that we are lucky not to miss anything. Because if you want, to spend a few days, a few hours, relax yourself and think of something else. Anywhere you go in France is something special. You have beautiful churches, beautiful little villages. You have uh, great mountains. Uh, in south of France, you have the Massif de l'Esterel, uh, which is absolutely spectacular, you know, in these red rocky mountains next yes. to the sea, the Mediterranean. Yes. Uh, in Bordeaux, we are lucky to have uh, the Bassin d'Arcachon uh, with the, the Dune du Pilat and the Cap Ferret, where we can enjoy oysters and, and drink white wine and, and, and breathe the, the, the air of the, the sea. So, and even Paris is, uh, is just fantastic. And with the, the, the fast train uh, in two hours between Paris and Bordeaux today, you can almost have lunch in Paris and, and spend the day there and come back in the evening, which is fantastic. So we are very lucky, I have France is a beautiful country. I, I've 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 said to my wife, we need to we need to get a place um, either in Paris or preferably Bordeaux because even even when I do travel there, whether it's for um, on premier tastings or um, just a long weekend away. Whether you're taking the metro and you, and like you mentioned, you can see the scenery. Um, you know, I remember walking on the streets of Paris, and every every restaurant outside there had a gentleman with a box of different oysters, and you can just go in. You'll be given your bread basket. You'll have some great local wine, half a dozen oysters, like you said, some nice white wine, and it's just very atmospheric. You know, very atmospheric. You see, I, we were seeing, um, you know, parents with their children, you know, sharing like a lunchtime. It was just very romantic, and very traditional, which is really good. You know, so all right. And sorry, go on. We look forward welcoming you back in France. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully to Obai sooner rather than later. But uh, uh, and just one last question outside of France. What is your what is your favorite winemaking country or region? Outside of France. 
Um, oh God. <laughs> I think it's fascinating to see how lots of wine regions around the world evolved in the, in the last decades. And people do make great wines everywhere. Um, my husband, is all, who is uh, running a big estate in the Medoc, at Chateau Giscourt, is also running a beautiful estate in, in Tuscany. So uh, we know pretty well Italy, and it, it's wow. a very special region. But Spain is great, German wines. I'm always impressed by the vineyards in Switzerland. Um, I love South Africa. Uh, God, it, it's difficult to just uh, take one uh, yes. wine region because uh, uh, if you are thinking also of what's going on in, in California, it's fantastic. It is. Yeah. And, and I won't forget Australia and New Zealand. You have yes. great wines everywhere today. So yes. uh, it's also a way of traveling when you're stuck at home because every single bottle that you are tasting makes you travel and enjoy something special, you know, so... It really does. Way of traveling, but uh, it's a good way. It certainly is, it certainly is. Fine, well, Veronique, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we hope the rest of this year ends on a high for you guys, and um, we look forward to seeing what the outcome will be of 2020. So thank you once again for joining us. And thank you very much for your time. Oh, you're welcome, thank you.